sadly, uh, I think, we have uh, a bent towards or a propensity to diminish good things in the wake of reacting to bad things. We diminish the good as we react to bad things. Uh, just think of vinyl records, if you will. Vinyl records. Oh, we're going to get rid of all of our vinyl records because now we have technology. We've got digital technology. And everybody was all, it was all the rage getting rid of all of those vinyl records. How old, how archaic. Guess what's back? Vinyl records because you just don't get the same sound out of the digital copies. It's the vinyl that gives you that depth and warmth, uh, uh, that, that better sound. Often the baby gets thrown out with the bathwater. And uh, in our effort to liberate women from inequities and, and sexism, exploitation, control, I believe we've, we've diminished a perfectly honorable vocation, the vocation of homemaking, which I will say is not just for women. But we have diminished it because we want to liber liberate people from the home. The internet defines a homemaker as a person who manages the household of his or her own family, especially as a principal occupation. However, being a homemaker, or at least calling yourself one, is no longer fashionable. <laughs> You don't want to be known as a homemaker. This year, um, we said goodbye to Colleen's parents, Doreen and Colin Kachapov. They passed basically within a week of each other, which was actually a gracious miracle, we feel. Doreen, uh, Colleen's mom, was a homemaker by choice. Before marriage and, and Colleen came along and, and her, her brother Mark, Doreen was a successful nurse in Toronto. But for Doreen, the joy of creating a home for her family became her life's mission. And she excelled at it. So being a, being a family living under the same roof does not automatically constitute a home. Just because you're all there under one roof does not mean that that is a home. A home is something you create lovingly. Doreen worked very hard at creating a place where there was safety, order, traditions, joy, comfort, health, peace, and most importantly, unconditional love. You see, when you entered the residence of the Kachapas, you entered Doreen's home. And you just sensed it. My boys, uh, even as young men, always wanted to go to grandma and grandpa's house. <laughs> they never grew out of it. Even as teenagers, when they were really cool. <laughs> you know? 
They wanted to go to Grandma and Grandpa's house whenever we had a vacation. Go there in the summer. And it's because Doreen had this ability to create a sense of home. You know, <clears throat> what she created was founded in something. And at her funeral uh, or her memorial service, we remembered the foundation of what made her tick, what, what motivated her to create who we knew she was and, and the, the home that she created. And that was that, that that home was replete with the attributes of her God. You, when you went into Doreen's home, you went into a home that honored God. You went into God's home. The text that we're going to look at in Hebrews today has a lot to do with this concept of home and being a homemaker. It's not obvious on the face of it, but I think you'll see how it is appropriate to be speaking of Hebrews 11 on Mother's Day. The author of Hebrews has been encouraging his readers to stay the course, to stay true in their faith, to be faithful to God. And, and when he gets to chapter 11, he starts to lay out example after example of individuals who, by faith, stayed true to God and God's calling on their life. This is uh, a chapter we call the heroes of the faith. And one of those heroes that's listed there is the most unlikely of persons, a Canaanite woman from Jericho. Her name was Rahab. It says in verse 31 of chapter 11, By faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. You can follow along if you like. If not, I'm just going to read to you. It's not on the overhead because it's a long passage. I'm going to read to you two excerpts from Joshua that talk about the faith of Rahab. First in chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go over the land, uh, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy on the land. So the king of Jericho sent them this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and had hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers 
had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in the country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family, because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and my mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. <clears throat> if you don't tell what we're doing, we'll treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. And she said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there for three days until they turn, return, and then go on your way. Now the men had said to her, This oath you made a swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you've tied this scarlet cord on the window through which you will let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house, if any of them go outside your house into the streets, their blood will be on their own heads. We'll not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. <clears throat> Let it be as you say. And then, of course, we know of the great victory over Jericho. The Israelites marched around the city seven days. And on that final day, the walls collapsed. And so we catch up with the story in, of Rahab in Joshua 6 verses 17 to 25. <clears throat> the city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies, we said. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed it with the sword. Every living thing in it, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. And when Joshua said to the two men, who had spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and her mother, her brothers and sisters and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it, but they put the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, with her family and all who belonged to her, because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. 
And she lives among the Israelites to this day. You see, <laughs> I see Rahab, and in fact all of the heroes of the faith listed in Hebrews 11, as homemakers. Not in that narrow sense of, of what I was just referring to when I spoke of my mother-in-law, but in the sense that each one was drawn by a vision of a place where they would feel at home. Each felt like a, a, an alien or a stranger in, in their bodies, in their place. And they were drawn to a vision of something better. Something of God. They were homemakers because having by faith surrendered to God's call, they each became people who created just by being in their presence a space in which you were transported from the ugliness of this world into their true home, the home of God. Look how the author describes them. Verse 1 of chapter 11. Now faith is confident, is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. See, the author starts by indicating that these heroes of the faith were, were motivated by something that was not seen. They allowed their hopes their dreams, their passions, not the realities, but what they longed for to drive them, to motivate them. And then in Hebrews 11, he lists all of them. And look, look at the, the company that Rahab keeps. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses' parents, Moses, the people of Israel, Rahab, Gideon, Barak. Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets. That's a pretty fantastic list. And then he goes on and he says this. All of these people, you see, that he gives their stories in chapter 11, but there's several statements that are about all of them. And this is one of them. All of these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one, a home, their home. A true home where they didn't feel like foreigners or aliens. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a place or a city for them. And here's another one of the statements that he makes. You see, even though their experience, when each of those characters that are listed there chose to follow the call of God, captured the vision wanted to be in the presence of God, wanted to be in the home of God. Once they did that, they realized that 
this was simply, what they experienced was, was like night and day to what their real life, where their life had been. But they realized that it was simply a foretaste of greater things to come. These were all commended by their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. We're going to take a look at that passage next week because it's so full and rich, that last statement. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. But let's, let's get back to Rahab here for a minute, specifically. You see, her opportunity to avail herself of God's home, to be in the presence of God, to get out of the life that she was living. Let, let, let me just emphasize this for a second. Do you remember when Abraham came into Canaan, which is where Rahab was from? And, and God said, look around. He says, I'm giving all of this to you. But he says, you can't have it just now. Do you know why? Because the sin of the people has not reached its height. Now fast forward probably 400, close to 500 years. The sin had reached its height. Abraham's descendants could now go in and take Canaan. Could literally go in and obliterate Canaan. Because the sin had reached its height. This is the filth that Rahab lived in. The squalor, the desperation, where harlotry was an acceptable practice. Where women would be exploited by men. Women tried to eke out an existence. The sin had reached the level at which God was more than happy, I'm sure. I No, I shouldn't say that. That's putting words in his mouth. <laughs> I would be more than happy. He wouldn't. He's too big. Where God would, would say, it's time for judgment. And that's when Israel went in and judgment came to Canaan. But that's where Rahab was living. So her opportunity to avail herself of God's home arrived with two Hebrew spies knocking at her door. One wouldn't blame Rahab if she treated this visit as any other visit of strange men at her door. After all, all she was was a harlot, eking out a living by being taken advantage of by men. But no, Rahab saw this as her chance, her opportunity to abandon this alien existence and become aligned with people and with a God who offered something so much greater. So just before she places her life into their hands and the lives of her family 
into these two foreigners' hands. She says this, this great confession. I know that the Lord, Joshua 2, I know that the Lord has given you this land. How she knew that, I don't know. <laughs> but she knew. And that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Zion, Sion and Og and the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. And she could have said, I want in. I feel like a stranger here. But I've heard about this God. I want to be in his home. I want to make my home in his home. I wonder if this confession of faith that she makes to these two spies isn't magnified by the fact that she had the courage to not simply accept her lot in life. She could have just said, I'm just a prostitute. Who am I? But no, she saw the opportunity and she availed herself of it. She wanted to be a part of it. We know how it goes. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land after the walls had fallen, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So, so the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother and brothers and sisters and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it, God's judgment. But they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord. But, but Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent to spies, spy to in Jericho. And she, she lives among the Israelites. Look at that. <laughs> she lives among the Israelites to this day. Don't miss the incredible power of Rahab's witness. She is a woman. She is a prostitute. She is a Canaanite. But, but because she refuses to pass up God's invitation to come home, she becomes part of that family. She lives among the Israelites to this day. But folks, it gets richer than that. She virtually becomes royalty. She's the great-great-grandmother of King David. Look at this, Matthew 1. Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. Oh, and yes, that's the genealogy of who? Jesus Christ. So Rahab responds to her opportunity to go home. And yeah, she becomes a homemaker. Just as Colleen 
is a homemaker, like unto her mother. In her new home, she's able to create a place where God is glorified and where all of the attributes of God are experienced. But she recognized that as good as her new home was, the author writes that she and her hero peers, we'll call them, they knew that their ultimate home was yet to come. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that they only, together with us, would be made perfect. You might say, well, how do I know, Tim? How do you, how do you know that she became a homemaker? Someone who, like Doreen, created a culture, created an environment in which God was experienced. Well, I would suggest a few things. First of all, she's a Canaanite prostitute. And yet she is accepted by the people of God wholeheartedly, it looks like. <laughs> Secondly, I love this. Read about her son, Boaz. Ever heard of this, the love story of Boaz and Ruth? Her kinsman who takes in Ruth, who is a foreigner, and, and brings her into the family. An honorable man, a man of integrity. How did Boaz get like that? Look at her descendants, Jesse, David. Why was Joseph chosen as Jesus' stepdad? Why was Mary chosen? Because they were good folk. And so we see that her descendants were people who had experienced the home of God when they went into the home of Rahab. The story of Rahab tells us that no one is outside the gracious, gracious invitation of God to come home, to enter into that wonderful place of acceptance and love, peace and joy, security and well-being. A home that we will only in this life experience in part, but will fully experience it when we're with the Lord. But her story also speaks of becoming a homemaker herself. A woman who selflessly sacrificed everything to create a place for her family that was the kind of home we all desire. A home defined by all the wonderful attributes of her loving father. 
Faith of our mothers. Guiding faith. Guiding faith. Moms, know that your work is huge. And know that in God you can create households in which God is experienced. Rahab was a courageous homemaker. She committed treason. Ever think about that? She committed treason because she captured a vision of a home that she wanted to be a part of. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for Rahab. And thank you, Lord, for these other examples of people of faith who reached out and responded, took the opportunity presented to be a part of your family, to not just be a part of it, but also to extend it. Extend it to others. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be that type of person. That first of all, that we would avail ourselves of the invitation, but that as we do, that we would be those who create, just by people being in our presence, a sense of being in the presence <coughs> of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs>